This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. And we're back. We're back in studio. We're back from our crazy pilgrimage trip, and you guys heard all about that. We are still on a high. <laughs> still slightly jet lagged, but yes. still on a, a high. This has been one of the best trips we've ever had. I mean, it was it was amazing. It's been it really was all, great. all of them have been spectacular totally. for various reasons. Totally, but this just felt so good. Really nice to be back. Thanks to our friend mm -hmm. Ron Simons and the entire team at RSR. Yeah, yeah, they really hosted us so well, and it was so much fun to share what we know and have people and. Be there. It was yeah, such an experience. Sure. I, I, I'm desperate to go back, which is ridiculous because <laughs> I, I was be there last now. week. But uh, yeah, that was amazing. And then, but I did realize that you and I were were so in the moment there that there was car announcement news that happened that we didn't even talk about. We didn't even we didn't even acknowledge <laughs> that it happened. We, so we, we couldn't. We got to talk about a couple things. But also, I want to lead this real quick. Uh, we are coming back right on top of our Utah meetup, which is later this week. And if mm -hmm. you're traveling right now for our Utah meetup this week, we are very excited to be driving with you. Uh, that will not be on the ring or spa or at those speeds, but it will still be very, very fun and really scenic. And it is gorgeous here in Utah right now. We finally got out from under the snow and it is spectacular. So I'm excited about that. I bring all of that up to say this. If you're coming to the Utah meetup on the blip shift store for us right now is the shirt for you. Yes. The well, shirt is actually, it's for everybody. It will be out in time for the Utah meeting. No, you, you won't the, have it in time, yeah, yeah. but you should order it because it is a great commemorative shirt that we built around the Utah meetup. It is actually showing you the hog's back section of Highway 12 that we're going to drive. This was modeled after when I actually did it with my son in the, uh, in the, uh, Lotus Elise a few years back. So cool, we man. used that to make this really cool I'd Apex That shirt. So that shirt's come back on Blipshift, but now it is redesigned to go along with our Utah meetup. It is an incredible place that actually exists that we're actually going to drive. So I would run, don't walk to get that shirt right now because it's your official shirt of the Utah meetup, but it's also broader than that. If you've ever driven through Utah or that area on Highway 12, you need this shirt. It's really cool. I can't wait to order many because it's also <laughs> available in yeah. red. So of course I have to order it. So that's, that's happening awesome. right now. Many of you have written to us, and I've asked before, if you think of something, you see it, and mm -hmm, you think of mm -hmm. us, and you just drop us a line. And you did when you saw the Toyota Prius Lama GR Edition introduced. It's been a little while now, but we've been uh, we've been busy. We have been busy, yes. The grime. We, we called it the grime, mm -hmm. and it's out. This is the GR Edition in, in unveiled just ahead of the 24 hours of Lama, yeah. and it's a high-performance Prius. We teased it, we joked about it, and here it is. I'm That's very so cool. curious to see if they actually decide to build this thing, and it was, you guys bombarded us. The minute that Toyota announced it, you were like, haven't we heard this before? <laughs> yes. And so thank you so many of you for sending it in and going, wait a minute, didn't this just happen? Thank you for doing that. I, canards on I, the front. It's, canards it's on the Prius. Things, many things. Prius now with canards. Th those two <laughs> words were not even in the same dictionary when they launched that car, uh, the actual original Prius. So that happened. Also, Porsche news. <clears throat> did you see the Mission X, Paul? Oh, I did. Tell did me about I the ever. Mission X. This is the successor to the 918 Spider. Because Porsche as a brand is now 75 years old. Okay. So they designed a car to be the pinnacle of performance and modern luxury. 
A lightweight glass dome with an exoskeleton made of carbon fiber reinforced plastic extends over both occupants. Mm -hmm. According to Porsche, the Le Mans style doors are attached to the A pillar and the roof, so they open forwards and upwards like used on the legendary 917 racing car. Yep, it looks that looks gorgeous, yeah. Great. They've reinterpreted the characteristic Porsche four-point graphic. And that headlight is inspired by historic race cars like the 906 and the 908. But this car, Porsche exemplifies e-performance, but the study needs to meet all their objectives. Mm -hmm. And so then if it goes into production, into series production, which I think it should, it should be the fastest road legal vehicle around the Nürburgring. And it's my understanding the current lap record is the Mercedes AMG one hypercar driven mm. by Mario Engel with a time of 635.183 on nice. October 28th, 2022. That is so fast. <laughs> Having just been there, that is so fast. <laughs> it should have a power to weight ratio of roughly one horsepower per kilogram, one okay. PS. Yeah, yeah. It should achieve downforce values that are well in excess of those delivered by the 911 GT3 RS, which we were mm. fortunate to drive on both Spa and the Ring, mm -hmm. and then offer significantly improved charging performance with its 900-volt system architecture and charge twice as quickly as the current Porsche frontrunner, the Taycan Turbo S. Amazing. And it looks Amazing. sweet. It looks incredible. It looks really, really great. Do you know I the paint color is called Rocket Metallic? How cool is that? Uh, you know what I also really like about this design? This is going to sound weird, but what I like about this design, this is a beautiful looking car that doesn't have to be a Porsche. Well. Uh, my, my, point, my point here is I, I feel like Porsche for a long time has felt like everything has to look like it relates to the 911. This doesn't. This just looks really cool. I mean, I like that it's a Porsche, but my point here is this could have a Mercedes badge. It could have a McLaren badge. It could have a lot of other badges and still look great. Certainly, so although, many Porsches look like they oh that could only be a Porsche, and I, sure, I like that this sure. is this is such a fantastic looking car that doesn't feel like it has to be connected to the 911 and just looks sweet. I mean, the 918 Spider wasn't connected to the 911, nor exactly. was the exactly. the uh, GT, the Carrera GT. True, and and those are better the for head, it. Frankly. Headlights are kind of that yeah. way, but yeah. yes, I totally agree. And. Uh, the other brands that you mentioned tend to be a little bit more flamboyant. They let themselves go, stylistically speaking. They yeah, kind of fair. let it go and a little bit more flamboyant, whereas the the belt line down is mm -hmm. very Porsche structure and very sure, sure. road-focused mm -hmm. and track-focused. But that upper surface, those surfaces are still very beautiful, if not very restrained beautiful. Mm -hmm. They want to break out more. Mm -hmm. I can tell. Yeah. But... The portionness of them means nope. They're going to be tailored. You could practically measure the the radiuses and oh, someone has measured it. Yes, it's, it's been <laughs> yeah, measured. The, yeah, uh -huh, for the sure. Variable fillets down yeah, yeah. the side and the, and the you know the crest of the of both wheel arches front to rear. You can measure this, and so that yeah. is very much Porsche. Whereas I I feel like other manufacturers would sort of let things flow and possibly and yeah. run off. Yeah, yeah. there's there's you know, there's definitely restraint here, but this is a great looking thing. I'm very curious if they actually build it and then. And of course, it'll be sold out instantly and it'll cost, you know, how many sevens of figures? Oh. It's going to be wildly expensive and it, you'll never, ever see one. I hate to say that too, but you'll never see one outside of a show. True. But it's very, very True. cool. It's really cool. We'll, we'll hopefully see them in Germany when we go. I, hopefully, I I'll guess. Just be, that's where the dispenser for those will be, albeit it'll be a smaller, more like a vending machine. It'll be a pop-up dispenser. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> the Mission X pop-up. <laughs> Meanwhile, while we were gone, they also introduced, and I'm very curious to talk about this, 
the new Lexus GX. Saw that. This is essentially as close to a Land Rover, a Land Cruiser as you're going to get out of the Toyota lineup here in the U.S. So this is a completely rethought GX, which was always kind of the stealth off-road play in the Toyota lineup was getting the GX. And I have read many fawning things about this. Oh, okay. Which leads me to believe that my opinion is the dissenting one. I think this is ugly. I really Do don't you? like the look of this. Really? Now, maybe in person it's different. I think it's ugly. I suppose that introducing anything that hints of Land Cruiser or might be related to the Land Cruiser badge has got to go more of the rectilinear forms and boxy yeah, shapes sure, that, sure, sure, that yeah. are associated with uh, all the, the Land Cruisers, the beloved yeah, Land Cruisers sure. that everybody loves. So I, I, I suppose... You know, I, I can definitely see that, but I think it works for a vehicle like this because mm. you're, you don't want to see, I mean, conversely, even though the Mercedes GLS works on a seven-seater shape like that, yeah. it also doesn't say off-road. It doesn't say it doesn't. rugged. You're it right. says right. Yeah, yeah. people carrier, you know, a smoother, sure. you know, sure. smoother surfaces, more uh, highlights rather than, uh, you know, surfaces and fenders looking like you could attach something to this vehicle. Mercedes doesn't look like you no, want not to at screw all. No, no, there's no question. This looks off-roady. To it, this, this looks, looks off-roady. It looks influenced by you know Range Rovers and and that kind of stuff. I yeah, mean, I see how you get here, and I do think it has to look rugged. I just um, the more I see this, the more I just don't like it. And maybe I'm completely alone because I I have read lots of people that just cannot get over how awesome they think this thing looks. I'm waiting to see one in person, but yuck. Really? That bad? Yeah, it really bothers me mm. right now, actually. And and the initial gold that they released it in, I did not think helped it. But again, uh, you <laughs> it's know. It's a dirty gold. Whatever. I mean, it, look, this is going to have a lot of power, and it's going to be very, very capable. There's an over-trail trim with 33-inch tires and locking rear diff. I mean, it's going to be very capable. It's going to be probably wildly successful for them. I've always thought that this car is really odd in the Lexus brand. They don't really make a dedicated sports car. They don't really make anything dedicated to be enthusiast in any real, real place, except the GX can really go off-road. Mm. Okay. So that's interesting as well. But, I mean, this was successful for them in the past. It's probably going to be successful again. I, I think this will be a wild victory. I just, I guess I need to see it in person because it's not jiving with me right Th- now. That all, always helps. But there, there's a lot of twists and turns as far as the, the shapes here. I, I totally see that. But, it, yeah, as a Lexus, it, it's a little bit of a dichotomy mm-hmm. from what the Lexus brand is Absolutely, to yeah. what this wants to do. But maybe that's the only way to get it back in the U.S., and for that reason, I'm okay with it. You know, Toyota's been crushing it lately, and and uh, I think this will sell as well very well. It'll probably do really well for them. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits which make it easy to get the right products all together. 
Whether you need a starter car care kit or you're breaking out the foam cannon or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our Topic Tuesday comes from Tom Z., who asks about tuning out of class and this term, mm-hmm. terminology, this phrase that you've heard us speak of quite a lot. It circles back now and then because every now and then somebody spends a lot of money tuning their car wildly out of class. And then we get some sort of question along the lines of, are you guys mad at me? <laughs> it's something about, are, are we sure that tuning out of class isn't okay? We definitely get those, those questions for sure. Well, Tom asks, what about tuning to the driver? Mm. Tom is for it, for the most part, anti-tuning. He, he is anti-tuning and he wants to keep his cars mostly stock. But lately he had a revelation when he was putting stiffer sway bars on his Fiat, which immediately accelerated his development as a driver. Because while it's very hard to take aggressiveness out of a driver, he writes, it's pretty easy and seems to make a change to take the car with a, a tendency that might bite you things that, I, I, Tom, I think you're talking about driving styles and, and what you know, how, mm-hmm. how you approach corners. He refined the car to his driving style, yeah. And turning that into more of a stable and tossable car based on how you drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, sure. Isn't that the goal of every tuning package, every custom tuning car, custom tuned car? You want to tune it to you because most manufacturers, well, all manufacturers really mm-hmm. have to tune to a, a general denominator, whether that's yes. common or low or high, they have to still make it reasonable and relevant to what most people can handle. Most enthusiast drivers and most high performance drivers can handle it. It ramps your game up when mm-hmm. you drive a better car and you can instantly tell, well, this car's faster, it responds more, the inputs are great, it makes me want to do better, and I'm I'm attacking things more with this car. I suddenly have a great tool to use here. For sure. And he brings up the Fiat, which of course we all know is is the Fiat version of the Miata, the current ND Miata. And that's a great place to start this discussion because the truth is that car, even in sport trim, is too soft from the factory. But if you look at where Mazda sets that and who they try to sell Miatas to, Mm -hmm. they had to do that because they're looking for, typically most of their buyers are an older demographic, Sure. Who aren't going to drive very hard, who also aren't going to track it. Now, the people that are going to track it, they're going to change stuff anyway. Of course. They're going to make it more hardcore either way. So you've got to sell it in the way that most people are going to find it accessible, which is with, frankly, too much body roll. Yeah. But but to your point, they've got to set it up for the widest swath of people. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to change it, change it. And and I, I feel like I need to, again, kind of address what we mean by tuning out of class. Because... The, th- the thing here, and this comes up a lot, and, and some of you uh, fight us on it, and I get it, because you have your car and you want to make it yours, and you, you look back and suddenly, I mean, my friend Paul's done this with his 928, you look back and you realize that's an awful lot of receipts, and that's terrifying. I've tuned and, another category. Yes, I you guess. have. You've tuned your way to exotics. It's crazy. <laughs> I guess but, so. But the, the key thing about tuning out of class that we talk about is this. It's when you're spending so much money on your car to make it do thing X that you could have bought a better car. Now, in yeah. your case, yeah. Paul, uh, you represent with your 928 something that also happens, and that is I have a car, whoever I am, that I've bought or I've inherited or whatever, and this car is never going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do whatever I want to it because it's not leaving my life. Tuning for forever. 
Tuning for eternity. There you go. Yes, it's the eternity tune. But the thinking there is, you never have a reason to need to get your money back out of it. So you keep trying to make it better for you. Mm -hmm. That's different than tuning out of class. What I'm saying is, imagine the person that tries to take a family sedan and turn it into a track car. Yeah. Now, if you really are a person who you want to track a car regularly, and you need it to be lighter and smaller and more dynamic... You shouldn't start with a family sedan. You need right. to find a car that's closer to your target to begin with versus trying to wrench the car another way. I'll tell you another one. There was a guy years back, I remember I stumbled upon this right around the time that I was trying to shop and buy a Lotus Elise. There was a guy that had spent like 30 or 40 grand trying to make his Lotus Elise a grand touring car. There were a, there was <laughs> that's an going un, the other way. There was an un, yeah. I, I, that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> there was an unbelievable amount of sound deadening that had been done on the firewall and all the way through the engine bay. Oh he had gosh. spent a ton of money to completely redo the surfaces of the interior to make it very nice, like like high quality materials and redesigned door cards to make it very nice. He'd done a big Macintosh audio system in an Elise. No. Now, my point here is, if what you're wanting is a sports car that's a nice place to be in, don't start with an Elise. That's tuning out of class in the same way that taking some car and trying to make it handle better and lighter and whatever, it can be tuning out of class. You've got a target. You know what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. But you should have just bought a car closer to your target. So what you're talking about, Tom, is you're talking about spending money to make your car more for you. More a little bit more like you want to drive, or in my case, I like getting wheels, and and you wanted to make it, it a little flatter in the way it corners. What'd you spend? A couple thousand dollars? Sure. And on that, fine. Yes. That, that's almost recommended. There's another component to this, and that is doing everything all at once. Mm. I want to tune my car, so I bought all these parts, and they all have brand names, and they're all the good brand names. This is the stuff you're supposed to do, man. This is what you should. This is what the forums This is stage one, buddy. Right. I'll do stage two later. <laughs> you're right. This is what I want to do to my car. So I do all those parts, and you don't gradually work up to it. Tom, it sounds like you've done here. We always come back to the three basics. Driver upgrade first then tires, then brakes, mm-hmm. before you add mm-hmm. any power. And you haven't added power. You've added one thing. You've done one thing to the car, and you said you've got stiffer sway bars. And you write because your car is no longer fighting you. He says Tom is actually able to start improving his lines and strategy because he's not worried about the car randomly get out, getting out of shape because of the weight transfer. So you are specifically going after the, the line that you want to go after and weight transfer with your car. You weren't mm-hmm. going after... A turbo, or, or I guess that car's already turboed, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, giant turbocharger, more power, huge brakes, everything kind of all at once. Because how does that get you to your goal? You identified the goal, and you've really solved it. It sounds like, and that's really excellent. That that's really what we recommend mm-hmm. if you're going to go far with parts. But to do everything all at once, there's manufacturers and, and aftermarket tuners that do that stage one, but they're still not tuning for you. Yeah, yeah. They have their package they'd really like to sell you. They would like to work with you and make more money so they can say, okay, we'll take mm-hmm, that and now we'll mm-hmm. kind of customize it to you for the setup that you're kind of going after. We'll take stage one and then we'll tweak it further. Yep. That's the tuning to you, which is great, but again... That you're starting to get into significant amounts of money at that point. Because when we end up with 800 horsepower cars that you really can't take advantage of, 
that a generally tuned car like a Hyundai Elantra N or mm-hmm. a Civic Type R, they're, they're so good already for most drivers that most drivers can extract that. There's also a, a yet another component on the other side of things, and that is when manufacturers do that, there's already an agreed way of driving. It's not like you want to tune a car for your crazy, weird, whacked out way of driving, getting around a track or getting around, you know, Canyon sure, Road. Sure. There are very much agreed upon principles of driving that are baseline and foundational mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. skill of driving that can be applied. And that's why these generally tuned cars can work for most sure, excellent drivers. Sure, yeah, yeah. For most basic drivers, it, it'll improve them dramatically. So, yes, we, we have to still agree upon, yeah, that's, of course, the racing line. That's how you approach, you know, track in, apex, track out for a corner. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and <laughs> you know, we, there's generally accepted ways of getting around a track that, well, it's just a quicker line. It just is. I don't care what you've done to your car and, and you take a weird line and yeah, yeah. you're almost as fast, but sorry, I'll take a spongy something and still <laughs> Do the beat line you. right. And here I go. <laughs> right. Yeah, I take your point. So I like that you've approached it from that side of things and it's just one thing at a time and you've worked up to it and it sounds like you've solved it because from here, the, the, uh, <laughs> the urge is to still keep, to, to continue going. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's more parts I want to do to do what? That's always the question. Yeah. To Where, get what, what are we out of the car? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you've solved it. You've got this stability that you were looking for, and that's what, you know, stay there. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could add more power. Sure, you could do all this stuff. But then once you've reached that certain point where you're going, okay, now I could have afforded a 987 Cayman. Yeah, that's always the question. Mm. Is, 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 is there something that exists that does what you want better, and your money would just be better spent there? Mm-hmm. And it, it's tough to know what kind of driving style you like. So mm. working from front engine, rear drive to the mid engine cars to, you know, being able to, to sample those kinds of things. And some people just click more with different kinds of cars, mm. Mm. your driving style. You really like that, but it is fun to learn a different skill of driving and a different way of driving a mid engine car versus a rear 911 versus a, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Mustang Camaro Supra, that kind of thing, the front mm-hmm. engine, rear wheel drive. It's fun to be able to apply different techniques in different situations. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Word is writing in from Colorado and he's shopping giant SUVs. He's looking for seating for eight. <laughs> okay. We're doing eight seaters. Doesn't happen all that. What's often. interesting though is once he gets into the stuff he's looked at, he said one of the things he drove, and I'm jumping forward to come back, but one of the things he drove was a Honda Pilot. Where I have to admit, okay, so you're talking about eight seats officially, not eight seats like we need to transport eight adults. Right. But we still need we still need eight seats. Eight seat belts. Let's put it that way. Eight seat belts have it, gotta happen. Some sort of yes. form. All right. Well, this is Word Broker in Colorado, so we're just gonna call you Word. Thoroughly enjoyed the twenty fifteen BMW five twenty eight XI for the past five years. It's got just enough power along with the turbo boost for the elevation issues to make canyon carving on in the Rockies enjoyable and still be safe and fun. 
I like it. That's good. The spousal car is a 2016 Accord. There have been lots of Accords in the car history here from Word. Tons, yes. Uh, ooh, Camrys, Odysseys, RX350s, and an ES300 from 1998. After so, having yeah, a uh, string of Lexus Accords through there. Yeah, Camry. for sure. Yep. So the Accord obviously has been great. His his wife loves that. And uh, the, the BMW 5 Series has done great, great work at being the all-in-one car. But the reality is they need an SUV to seat eight and uh, definitely something that can get up a mountain road and to their mountain cabin in the winters. Their budget is theoretically $60,000, and they're begging Paul to stay under seventy five. dollars I may have gone over, but we'll get there. Oh, really? But anyway, he said, he said, but then there's a twist. This is the family twist that I love. He says, what if uh, he drives the SUV, he passes on his BMW to his wife, and they can hand down the Accord to their new, newly minted 17-year-old son driver? Hmm. Okay, I see it. That makes all kinds of sense. But this is where it got interesting because he said he test drove the Honda Pilot, the new one, and loved it. So that tells me that you need eight seat belts, not eight seats. We have family that comes in now and then from out of the country or out of town, and so they do need to transport people. But he's also he's he's driven the or he's considering the Ford Expedition, which is an obvious choice, the Chevy Tahoe, obvious choice, and the new Toyota Sequoia, which is an obvious choice. Except you want more usable space than that. Sorry to say it. Uh, he's wondering what else is out there, and he also is pinging you, Paul, and saying, hang on, what about the Grand Highlander? And it's brand new. If you haven't seen the video on that, that is on our Test Drive channel. And to address the Grand Highlander, you think that, well, you wonder why why that vehicle from Toyota? Why mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. Why that one? Well, it's because things like the Jeep Grand Cherokee exist. That seven-seater sweet mm -hmm. spot. It's not a full body on frame where you go up to the Sequoia, but it's still in this as big as we can go without body on frame kind of thinking. Totally, which is the Telluride, the Palisade, the, the mm. up to the Mercedes GLS you brought up earlier. I mean, mm. these are wildly successful for all the people that make them. But yeah, when you make the jump, it's Ford Expedition and Chevy Tahoe, and those are awesome, but they're bigger. Would the Grand Highlander be sufficient to pull people and cargo not towing a boat or trailer up to the mountains? It certainly would, and that's exactly what it's designed for. But if you're going to be doing that regularly, you can get it spec'd out as eight people in there. Mm -hmm. But you're going to want the hybrid max powertrain because that will have the mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. torque to mm -hmm. get you up. And I do recommend that. But sprinkled throughout, I get the idea that you're wanting a driving experience because of that BMW. Yes. None of the SUVs that you're suggesting are interesting to drive. No, not at all. Except for one. It is that GLS. Because mm, if you can mm. get into a Mercedes GLS, mm, it's still okay. the seven-seater, but it has that brilliant suspension that will lean you into corners. True. Not on the AMG version, but you really don't need it because the suspension tuning is better on that one. Mm -hmm. But the, the lean factor with the air suspension is actually quite useful. It works very well. It's interesting, and it makes things kind of fun. Watch our original test drive on that, because we drove the base one. And I can't believe I'm talking about a base GLS, which was still wildly just expensive. Just the 450. It was still expensive. very powerful. Yeah. Drove very well. Yeah. Interior is very nice. We've blown the budget, but it is a very good one. I take that point. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking slightly used. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into one of those. 2019 and newer, I believe, mm -hmm. is the GLS, Mercedes GLS. They're really great to drive. They're they're interesting. But you have alternates in here. Little additives that make this take some turns. Yeah, for sure. Both Word and his wife work from home. Now, he would be fine with an X7 or the GLS or the Q7, and Good. the wife gets a Range Rover Sport. Hmm, Range Rover Sport. Okay, well, all not, right, we'll not, leave it there. Not quite enough space, I don't think. But anyway, on, onward, yeah. Should you be worried about reliability? 
I'm still not completely sold on Range Rovers in far, as far as their reliability. I'm not, I'm not quite all the way there. Well, there was somebody actually a while back that actually showed us the chart that was very interesting. They showed us the chart, and they showed us that over the last 10, 15 years, cars in general have all become more reliable. Yes. But the Range Rovers are still near the bottom. Now, what that means is they're far more reliable than they used to be. <laughs> but they are still at the bottom of the metric, so that is the problem. Yeah. And you know, I would actually trust, personally would trust a GLS probably more than a Range Rover in reliability. I also think the GLS is going to have more usable space than the Range Rover Sport. I, we had one recently, and I don't think of that car as as big, quite as big as the GLS. There's an alternate angle here, twist, mm-hmm. that I really want to land on. Okay. Because I think this takes us two different ways. Is that the alternate angle? Is it, this, this, this reads like he got to the end of the discussion with, now, hang on a minute. What about this? <laughs> Rereading what you've what just if, written. What if I sell the BMW, buy the people mover, and start shopping? To, remember, the BMW was going to be handed down to his wife. Uh-huh. But she keeps her accord. He buys the people mover. And then he shops for his dream car, which is a 911. He's looked at the 1974 RS30, which that's not a cheap car to find no. or buy. A 1986 930 Turbo no. or any 997 Plus. You are not looking for just any old 911 out there, are you, my friend? Yeah, 930 Turbos aren't uh, inexpensive either. No, no, no. And they're also not like the simplest thing to get out and drive. So be careful. But uh, the 997 Plus is amazing. Those are The 997s is actually my favorite gen of the 911. So all of a sudden he goes, well, I always want a 911. What about that? So in this scenario, I'm actually wondering, is your Accord still going to your son and is your wife driving the people mover? Because that would make some sense, I guess, as well. But in this scenario, you get a 911. So there's two different ways to go here, Word. And first off, I want to talk about eight-seater. If you like the Pilot and that's big enough, then you need to cross-drive some other things. Do drive the Grand Highlander for sure. Also drive the Hyundai Palisade and the brand-new Mazda CX-90. Mm-hmm. I think that comes in an eight-seat configuration as well, but I know the Palisade does. So that this is great for people and for affordability in your budget that you can get all the people you want to move. But here is the one problem. If you're going to take eight people up to the family cabin in the snow in the winter in a Palisade, a Pilot, a Mazda CX-90, where's your stuff going? Mm-hmm. Because the problem with these non-body on frames is that once you put all all of the seats up, every one of those eight seat belts has been clicked in. There's not that much space in the back. And eight people take a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I actually think you need to be shopping Tahoe or Suburban, maybe Suburban here. Because and you don't have to go look, the last one we had was loaded at 90 grand. You don't need to spend that. You don't. You can get a Suburban for less than that. But the Suburban is, the reason it's so awesome is because you can get that eight seats and then there's a full back of available space. Nothing's more frustrating than buying your big SUV to discover you have to put a roof rack or a trailer on it. (laughs) I just bought the biggest car I've ever owned. The luggage van follows you. Why am I putting a roof rack on it? Why am I bundling up stuff that's going to sit in the winter snowstorm? If you're really going to do eight people word, I think you're into body on frame. For sure. Because that gets you the space you need for the people and stuff. Word, now is the time to start your own Cayenne collection. (laughs) (laughs) The only way that I will allow two SUVs in your life 
is if you do start shopping for your dream car, one of the ones that you've envisioned here, and I do encourage that for sure. Because if you don't start shopping now, when are you actually going to do that? Thank you. I had the exact same when, thought. When is that time in your life going to come around? If you have the means and you are ready to do that, I encourage that highly. So I do say sell the BMW. You've had five years with it. Mm-hmm. It's been great. It's been a nice experience. But you don't sound in any way really wanting that to stick around. I don't hear True. that from your email. Yeah, yeah. It's you fine. Me- you it's fine to move on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You mentioned your wife wants a Range Rover. Okay. I would encourage others, driving others, but instead of one giant SUV to do it all, Mm. what about two different SUVs? They're slightly different, but they speak to a little bit of driving, like a Cayenne. Mm. They speak to driving fun for you, and you're still able to haul some people. I mean, is it always like all or nothing? Eight people or one? (laughs) Eight people or I take a scooter. (laughs) Right. Or do some of the family come in and you don't need mm, eight mm-hmm, seats? Mm-hmm. So you could take a Cayenne or you could take a Mercedes GLE. And that gives your wife an option here too. I do say keep the Accord because that is a great car for your son to have. As sure. Starting yeah, yeah. Driving. I mean, yeah. I, I had Accords. That was my yeah, thing. I did, yeah. And uh, that's where I started out. So yes, I say that's a perfect car. But investigate what you liked, the SUVs that are actually fun and those start shrinking the pool quite a bit. Cayenne really leads the pack. What if you could go down to a Macan or something even smaller? So then when you do need eight people plus gear, you have two cars. Let's take two cars to the mountains. Sure, fair point. Okay. And then you have space for people and luggage for everyone. Mm, Interesting. That's a possibility. I do want to echo something that Paul just said here, Word, and that is you just have this little like, you know, just going to toss the grenade at the end of the email. What about that 911 always wanted? And and, and look, I, <laughs> as you're leaving, just totally pull yeah. the pin, toss the grenade over here, your shoulder. While I'm here, let me talk about this. I mean, your son is driving, so hand me down cars make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand you need the big SUV, and so let's just stay keep that in, in the discussion. But I, I it, Paul already said it, and I want to echo it completely. And that is, if not now, when? Yes. All of these 911s you're looking at, well, the 997 may be being the exception. None of them are going down in value. <laughs> okay, we keep and, thinking they might. Keep thinking yeah. like now, now's t- this is the year. Well, yeah, fifty nope. years nine eleven. We did ten years ago, and we thought Gosh. that was the top of the bubble. We really were like they've turned. And, and here's the thing: it's absurd. The, the, now, year, like, the year we shot it, they were kind of turning down a little bit, yeah. and then they then they bounced. All those cars still are still on more. The, the upside of the bounce. <laughs> They're all worth Parabola more than they were when we drove the, the nine. The unloved nine nine six. Yeah, is more expensive now than 10 years ago when we shot that film. And that's the one that, quote unquote, no one wants. Except that everyone wants it. And, and, and it was the one, you know, like the first one with the GT3, mm-hmm. and those have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Those are like one of the most expensive ones you can find now. Anyway, craziness. So my point here is, if not now, when? If you've always wanted a 911, when does always end? And, yeah. and why not, if you're, here's the thing, if you have the ability to get one now and you are a person that can drive one now, you don't know what five years from now looks like. True. You have no idea. Yep. Let, let's say you get one and you decide you don't like it as much as you thought you would or it's too precious and you never drive it or whatever. Let's find that out now. <laughs> 
So True. I think I think if not now, when, man? So I think the 9-11 should really be part of this conversation. You and your wife and your son, he's going to be excited you have a 9-11 in the family. But uh, I think that is a real let's figure this out in the part of this discussion. Yeah, see your wife's driving a Rangy or whatever she decides upon, and you've got a Cayenne towing the 9-11, <laughs> the 930 Turbo. you all kinds of cars. All right, okay, and I'm not saying tow that when you're doing the whole eight people thing, but, you know, just... Just you've got options. I, I feel like one giant SUV gives you fewer options than two because you don't have to take two. But if you I need, see where you're going, if everybody's going, let's just take two cars. Let's, well, let's make it comfortable on people. You bring up this point. Actually, you just you just bumped me into this reality. How often do you need all eight seats? Because, well, that's what I was thinking. Because here's the thing. Back to building on what you're talking about, part. If this is the thing where okay, twice a year we have eight people rent a suburban. <laughs> yes, rent a fifteen-passenger van. Get or a, get an SUV that is smaller that works for what you want. Be it the Range Rover, be it the Cayenne, whatever works for what you want. Or maybe it is something as small as a, as a Macan because you never need more than four seats except for twice a year. Yeah. If it's twice a year, we're going to the cabin. Get on Turo and rent somebody's loaded out Suburban and take that because I'll be honest with you, eight people in gear is like I said before hard to do short of the Suburban. But if you don't want the Suburban the rest of your life. I get that. Word, you've got some decisions to make. Write to us if you've got an email like this. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I've realized something, Paul. When you post a picture of a 911 GT3 RS and you say, what questions do you have? People show up. They do. People show up to ask questions. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So good. It was so good. (laughs) It's so good. We had had a great trip. We had a great trip. We got a good piece coming on that. There's a lot of things to talk about on it, but I'm going to start right here. I love this. On Instagram, Felipe joined us for our After the Trip meetup in Frankfurt, and he he enjoyed meeting us, and he talked to uh, to us about all kinds of things, including you sharing with him that we're going to make the wheels on our blue Corvette C8 gold. So that's the second time we've had a blue car in the fleet with gold wheels. And so he said, hang on, does that mean from now on, anytime he sees a blue car with gold wheels, he should just call it the Schmucker Spec? And I think that's perfect. It is, that is a Schmucker Spec car, for sure. Goldtastic is the name of the powder coating wheel color. I'm excited to see it. I really I can't am. wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting. On Facebook, Jeremy Hartson said of, says, of all the countries producing cars these days, does Germany retain its place as the manufacturers of the ultimate engineering and driving capability and or feel? Well, I can't say that they're, they've been knocked down a few pegs because you got to keep in mind they are the ones with the de-restricted Autobahn mm-hmm. and they also have the ring mm-hmm. and a few other tracks that are quite nice as well. So the push, just as we've talked about the, the Porsche at the top of the podcast and the GT3 RS that we were fortunate to drive it's uh, they're always going after that precision mm-hmm. and that's always paramount among many things. And reliability has certainly gone up quite a bit over the years, but there's other car companies with great cars. We yeah, cannot yeah, ignore, yeah. but 
we'd be slicing the onion very thinly to say, well, Germany's the greatest. And then a stutter step behind is who's your favorite brand? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. The Corvette is a world-class sports car. Yeah. The Japanese make some amazing stuff. True. Yeah. South Korea is building incredible cars. You know, there, there's so many good ones out there, but as far as ultimate speed and ultimate performance, that's always still on Germany's mind, whether they're building EVs, whether they're building hot sports cars, hypercars, supercars. Yeah, they're, they're way up there. Alex HCO9 on Instagram is giving us a twist on track daily crush <clears throat> in honor of our pilgrimage trip. He says, take to spa, take to the ring, take to the crusher. Do I have to participate? Porsche. You have to participate. Ugh. It's the it's the Cayman GT4 RS, which we love, the 911 GT3 RS, which we just drove and love, and the 997 GT3 RS40, which we both drove in 50 years of 911, and guess what? We also love. <laughs> take to Spa, take to the ring, take to the crusher. Dang it. Am I, do I have to start? Do I have to jump well, in here? Look, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I, hmm. Yikes, this is hard. Okay, all right. I, I'm going to answer this in a way that I don't feel if I were driving them in anywhere other than these tracks. Because this is a track question. It is. And I will tell you something that I learned on this pilgrimage trip that I, that I don't think I ever really landed on until this trip. Okay. And that is, I was dri- we were driving either a Cayman, just like yours, except tuned, but it was the mm-hmm. same era as yours, 981 Cayman GTS. With ha- which had PDK, mm-hmm. or we had that brand new 911 GT3 RS Madness Mobile, also with PDK. And I realized that okay, take out of the, take out of the discussion for a minute. Which one is a faster transmission? Because we can all accept that a manual transmission, while crazy fun and I love it, is slower than the shifts of a PDK. We all know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I realized is, as far as tracking is concerned the transmission was being harder on the car than I would be if I were driving it in manual. When you're driving in manual, mm-hmm. you're driving on a track, you're aware that you're getting near red line. You don't want to hit fuel cutoff. You want to, you want to shift mm-hmm. before it's going to bounce off the fuel cutoff. You're going to shift before red line. With PDK on and cranked up, it was hammering these cars. <laughs> it shifts at 9,000. It would hammer them up to the red line. It would go as directly up to red line as soon as it could. If, if it had the capability to drop you a gear and be close to red line, it would do it. I realized the cars were being shifted harder with PDK than I would shift it. I'm not talking about speed. I'm talking about using the revs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that made me realize that on track, there is no substitute. So we're talking about tracking, which means yeah. I am taking and I love it, the 997 GT340, which is a spectacular car to drive, and I love the manual, and it is a gorgeous car, and it is also worth about a half million dollars or more. Now, I guess it, this equation goes to the crusher because I want the GT4 RS for the ring and the big boy GT3 RS for spa. I'm 100% in agreement. I love all three. And it's very specific to these tracks and this particular yes, question. to this question. Because it may change. I mean... Uh, if I were dailying it, I'd actually daily the 997 GT3 RS4 of those three cars. That's the one I daily. Look, a uh, bitter car guy uh, uh, poses the question, is the GT3 RS too stiff for commuting? 
Yes. Yes. Do not commute in this car. Yes. Don't don't buy this car to no. drive around LA and talk about how you took it to the studios this morning for your meeting and this afternoon yeah, no. taking it to Starbucks. No. It is the full stop wrong car for that. <laughs> yeah. There, there's other 911s if you want commuting and there's other great cars for commuting. This is a yeah. car to track full stop. If you don't have track access and you own this car, you'll you'll wish you did. You you have to have a track available if you have this car have access to this car and and we drove it on the road but you're driving a barely contained beast it's just it doesn't yeah, it, make sense almost it doesn't wasn't, make any sense you know you know that there's so much more waiting for you and it you're and not it was using it super smooth german roads yeah and it, yeah. and you're aware that it's hyper stiff all the time See, thumbing my way says, have we ever tried the European X-Siege, the one with a 3.5 liter V6? Oh, and yes. It was in one of the photos parked next to an AMG GT-R. Mm. And we saw actually multiples of those. When we arrived at the at Spa, we weren't on track until the following day, but we just went just to check out the track, check yeah, out the lay yeah. of the land. And it seemed to be that like there was a Lotus day it on track. It was Lotus track. track day, and there were a lot of those there cars. a lot of those cars. Yeah. And they were loud at the end of the front straightaway. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the Elise chassis that we didn't get. After they stopped selling it here, they made the Elise chassis and they made the Exige with the engine from the Evora. So it is the Camry V6 with the supercharger in the Exige chassis. A few years back, RSR actually had one and we drove it on road tour and I love it so very much. <laughs> it's so great. Yes. It, it is the... the bigger boy version of my car and I would have one in a heartbeat but they only sold them here as track cars yeah yeah they are cool yeah I'd, I'd like to to get in one Richard on Instagram has said YouTube has started recommending our early videos so we just watched okay. our NSX piece that's cool and crazy I'm, glad. I'm really glad the Cayman S was our choice given the prices being about the same but since that video the NSX has gone way up while Caymans are holding their value Hindsight being 2020, I am asked, Paul, would I change a recommendation to include intangibles like potentially not being able to afford a car in the future? Certainly, it's really tough to know. I mean, we we want to prognosticate and say, mm-hmm. Ferrari 308s, these are the next ones. Everybody get your Ferrari 308 right now. I don't care what condition it's in. Just <laughs> get it and hang on, everyone, because we're going for a ride. Sure. We can only choose what speaks to us in that moment and say, all right, if it goes up in value, fine. If it holds steady, great. If it's a Porsche, it probably will. But if it goes down, it's still fun to drive, and I still want that in my life. Mm -hmm. So never before are we deciding on making sports car purchasing decisions based on the fact that this might just kind of make me money here, just sitting here. Yeah, that's crazy. That's not. mm -hmm. It's always been assumed. You buy it. It's going to go down in value a lot. Mm Mm-hmm but you're just going to enjoy it. So I'd, I'd certainly love to include that, but mm. it's it, that's a tough one. Kazichov asks if it's possible to get an enthusiast vehicle that's stiff when you want it to be and comfortable when you want to relax. I'm curious if your answer to this is my answer to this. It seems like a lot of cars with adjustable dampers are at either end of the spectrum. Well, certainly it's from GM. It's called Magna Ride. I know. And it's installed on the C8 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray. It's It's amazing the range of that suspension. And it is amazing that GM, I mean, I realize that GM licensed it to Ferrari for a while, but it is amazing to me that everybody in the world hasn't done something like that. I agree. It's so good, yeah. Yes, that is the car. I've noticed that car swims a little bit in tour mode over certain bumps. That back end gets a little fishtail, kind of a little bit out of joint. Yeah, It's letting everything go. For the most part, it's just got this great ride. But in track mode, (laughs) you've got to bring your A game 
So yes, Magnaride has absolutely done it. And it's one of those that is so very clear between the settings. Yes, yes. And it's instant. It doesn't work its way up. It's just, it's now, which is mm-hmm. so impressive. Damn it, Patton took one look at that picture of the, uh, the GT3 RS and said, did we feel the active arrow? And if so, where and how much and the most and blah, blah. Um, yes. Now, now, please understand, that car is unbelievably adaptable and changeable. It has four little wheels on the steering wheel and you can change everything in real time between the last corner and the next corner you can change stuff. I was driving someone else's, very expensive, one-off, couldn't be replaced, GT3 RS on a track with traffic. I was changing nothing on the fly. Mm -hmm. I was driving and I was focused on the driving and I was having a great time, but it was just, you know, I'm going to put this car in sport Actually, at one point, I was in track. I started. I worked my way up. While oh, I was did driving. you? It was fascinating. I started okay. in normal. I went normal sport track. I went all the way through them. Tracks got uh, the the extra traction control aids off, and it was brilliant. It was yes. so good. Yes. So I, I worked my way up to really drive that car, but I wasn't changing anything on the fly. I was like, let's just let Por- Porsche's decision makers are going to be my decision makers right now. So I didn't <laughs> change random things, but I will say there was one place when I definitely felt the arrow, and it was because I intellectually thought. Hmm. I know this car has great arrow. There's one place on the ring where I always lift. Okay. And I didn't. And? And I knew I was great. I knew I was going quickly. It's, it's, the, it's the three lefts. Right oh, after the yeah. 11 K board. It's the three left. I'm going geeky now. Okay. The, the three lefts. And then there's a, a kink left. And I always lift. You don't have to, but I always lift the there. Hudson Bach? Uh, I don't remember, but it, but it's where you head up the hill with a lot of speed there. And oh, I always just oh. ease my foot off the tiniest bit and then get right back in it as, as the corner comes up just to settle the car a little bit. And this car, I was still accelerating and I intellectually was headed toward that corner and I was thinking, not only am I not going to lift, but I'm just going to continue with the progressive acceleration knowing this car will stick and it was brilliant. <laughs> yes, I... A lot of superlatives came to mind. I got real philosophical in the video. It was, I, yeah, it was less about stats footage. and specs because you cannot translate at 124 miles an hour, it makes 904 pounds of downforce mm-hmm. and say, this is what that feels like. It's You're just going fast. You're just glued down. And yeah. sticking to the yeah, road. For sure. You can't say, well, at top speed, 177 miles an hour, it's making 2,000 pounds of downforce. And here's how that feels because you just know you're sticking. And when you turn in hard, it's going to go. It's mm-hmm. going to do the thing you That's asked true. it to do. That's I I just I went off on a tangent. I, man. I, I'm very excited <laughs> to see that video that all the that footage for us to build because it's going to be a really fun piece. Do you see Bob McCormick's question? Oh, where is he? He said on Facebook, best feeling manuals on sale today. He said, uh, uh, please list the top five or so of our favorites. Oh yes, I'll yes. give you I'll give you the first four I thought of. Okay, leading the charge, the Civic Type R. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That manual is fantastic. The Boxster Cayman does a very good manual transmission. I really like that one. The GR86 that we had is superb. It's very, very good. But I would also say, because they didn't go with a BMW setup, the GR Super manual is also excellent. Excellent. It's very good. I was so worried about climbing in that car and it feeling like a BMW manual transmission, which I understand BMW has a feel. If you're a BMW fan, it needs to continue to feel like the BMW lineup always has. It's a little rubbery for my taste, but not the GR Supra. Mm -hmm. That manual feels great. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, GR Corolla, Hyundai Elantra N, is that on your list too? Because I I think they're solid. I mean, I don't they're think not they're as good, but I don't they're think still they're decent. They're good. I don't think they're standouts. Though. Yeah. 
Let's see over on Instagram, PK Bun says, what do we think of the future of car enthusiast culture since the EV is taking over? Mm. Are they? Are they taking over? <laughs> They're what, 5% of the market right now? Yeah. How can we stop streetcar takeovers, takeover culture? They seem to want to just flex and show off by acting crazy in the middle of the street. You know, that's a tough one to prevent people from going crazy. Like we've seen with the uh, the gangs taking over mm-hmm. intersections and doing the burnouts. It's uh, There's been injuries and there's been... Yeah, uh, it, it's, it can be bad. Yeah, don't condone that. That feels like a separate question. I mean, the, the, the EV culture is going to be very interesting to watch how that affects car culture in general. But I have to think at some point, we as car purchasers and we as people that like cars have to get over the fact that EVs are quick. That that we have yeah. to reach, you know what, that's quick enough. Mm-hmm. And it now has to be about, I think, I think at some point, involvement and weight and these kind of things are going to work their way back into the conversation because right now we're all just getting away with, have you seen how fast an electric is? Yeah. But it's to it's the been point, that way for years. It, it's been to the point already. And of course, Tesla uses it as a selling point, but newsflash, every EV is really quick because of the instant acceleration. And, and the truth is, for years now, it has been possible to make your passenger sick with the sheer acceleration of your mm-hmm. EV. So at some point, the tide has to turn and there have to be other reasons while they're, why they're interesting or why they get press uh, that just hasn't happened yet. Uh, second part of that, PK, and that is all the manufacturers, the designers, the engineers, the people who work at car companies, those people are enthusiasts too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They need to design and build products that will make the company money, ideally so they can go make enthusiast cars. And guess what? That Mm. does contribute to enthusiast car culture, Mm. whether they buy their own company's products or someone, some other companies, they are enthusiasts. The people who work at those companies are enthusiasts too. And that's what creates the car culture and proliferates Mm. great new cars that come out because we should, we should build the next Z. They should build the Supra. They should build a GR Corolla. They should build these cars. And they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's really not a huge business case for a Civic Type R. You're right. From You're a right. raw numbers, let's make money standpoint, there's not a huge business case. The to GR Corolla that. makes no sense. Even the Supra, Toyota told us, we're not expecting blowout sales numbers here. Yeah, yeah. But wow, does that proliferate enthusiast culture? And maybe customers want to have a GR Supra in their garage and a... A Camry or mm-hmm, one of their mm-hmm. SUVs. That's pretty cool. And so that is part of the future to, for those enthusiasts to design and build and release cars that don't meet something that is going to be accepted by enthusiast culture, like you were talking. Lightweight, great at cornering, great mm-hmm, acceleration, mm-hmm. and you know it has the whole package. They know that too. They don't want to design and build and buy anything like that. Mm-hmm. So they're, these are the people working hard to contribute to great cars. Brian had a question. I feel like we've talked about this before, but it is it is pertinent right now because we just got back on our trip and we did drive the GT3 craziness uh, on both tracks. So he said he's curious which each of us consider our favorite track of these two, Spa and the Ring, and why. They're both so good this they year. They are both very good. Ah. I had a great time. Yeah. And, I, and I actually, you know, Brian, I, it's interesting you asked this question because I had, a, I had my favorite day ever on the Ring was on this trip. I happened to do, and I talked about it in the last podcast, I happened to do nine laps in the driver's seat and six laps riding along. And every single lap, 
I was either, if I was right seat, I was calling the whole track, like, look for this, look for that. And if I was driving and had somebody right seat, there was, I'd never drove in the car by myself. And I was calling the lap then yeah. to just to try to help people with spotting because spotting on that, on that track is so hard. I really like spa, but I love the ring. That's and awesome. I've concluded that the reason is because I, I like going and going to racetracks. It's very, very fun. But give me a great mountain road. If you're going to mm-hmm. tell me, like amazing mountain road or day on a racetrack today, just pick one. I'm probably going to pick mountain road because I just enjoy that interaction so much with the mountains. So the thing about the ring is you have to kind of reset your brain. And we talked about this a lot on the trip, encouraging people to understand that, okay, spa is a great racetrack and the ring is a mountain road. Yeah. And if yeah. you kind of go in with that headspace, it, it gets a little less daunting. Because when you think about it in race track terms, you're like, those walls are awful close. You think about it in mountain road terms, you're like, we're driving a mountain road and there's the Armco. It's fine. A lot so, more quickly than oh, yeah. other mountain and, and road. Thank, thank God there's no oncoming traffic. But, <laughs> yeah. but I just, I, I love the ring so much. And there's so much nuance there. It's one of those things where you could spend a lifetime getting to know those, those that track. You really could. And yeah. I love it so much. And I, and I have so much more to learn though I still start to feel like it feels a little bit familiar. And I like both of those realities. It began to become familiar. Mm-hmm. There were parts of it that I need a lot of work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I admit, but I really love the ring too. But I love spa. I love the technicality and mm-hmm. the, the raw racetrack driving feel of spa. Mm-hmm. I really Such appreciate a great track. it. really love it. Everybody gets a gold star, right? All the tracks, both tracks. <laughs> I'm taking the ring for sure. The ring is really good though. You're right. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We're thrilled to be home, but we already miss our pilgrimage. So watch our adventures as we uh, work hard and bring them to you. We'd love to love to have you on those trips with us. So we're about to embark on our own Utah adventure here mm-hmm. shortly. But till then, we're always looking forward to hearing from you and we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>